So as we uh, open up to Second Thessalonians 2, it says, uh, Now we request you, brethren, verse 1, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. And that's, that's the main point that he was getting at because the people were afraid the day of the Lord was here. And it couldn't have been. It, it does not fit in at all. It doesn't fit in with what Daniel had talked about. It doesn't fit in with what Jesus had talked about. It doesn't fit in with what Paul has already taught them through his uh, revelation and then also through uh, what Daniel had spoken of and other prophets, Isaiah and a lot of other places probably he had taught that. So he says, look, you can't be in the day of the Lord. The reason you can't be in the day of the Lord is that the apostasy hasn't come. And that's what the next uh, section says, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. So we're going to look at the day of the Lord, then we're going to look at apostasy, and then we're going to go back and, uh, well, it's going to talk about the man of lawlessness, which is what this whole series is at that we're dealing with. Um, but it talks about the one who exalts himself, opposes um, the true true God. Uh, he sets himself up as God, takes a seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And that's the abomination of desolation. And we talked a little bit last week about some of the videos that Zola had. So if we don't mind, we might do a little bit of rewind back into the 80s, I think it was, and you'll see that the video is a little bit older than uh, what uh, we have today as far as 1080 and, and such, but uh, definitely gets uh, a good view of where the temple is going to be built, and that is, first of all, the tribulation temple, and that's what we'll be talking about some tonight. And so he'll be standing on that spot, and then uh, we'll see that he will be also standing uh, in the area of the Mount of Olives, looking down on that area, and he'll be teaching us a lot of things that we have been looking at or uh, will be looking at. Uh, so that's kind of what we have in mind. It, it lasts pretty close to 20 minutes. So when we get to the area of the... Um, I guess really the abomination of desolation... We'll, we'll take a look at it there. Uh, so, the day of the Lord. Some things have to happen before the day of the Lord comes. The day of the Lord is when Christ comes back and judges, right? We look in the, uh, You know, he could have chosen a number of things, but he, he chooses this uh, dealing with the apostasy. But he says about the day of the Lord. Okay, if you look in Joel chapter 2, verse 31, you get... Uh, a good revelation there that Joel had of the day of the Lord. It's for the book of Amos, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Where's Amos at? Right? <laughs> there we go. Mine's 1245. Wow. These are all different Bibles. The least of the books. Chinese books. Little bitty, bitty, bitty books called Minor Prophets, but they're not minor, but in, in length they considered that. So what do we have in Joel 2, 31? How does it read there? The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. There we go. Anybody heard that before? 
sun into darkness, moon into blood. And that's the great, awesome day of the Lord. That's the day of the Lord there. Um, wonders in the sky. That's Joel 2, chapter 3, verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Speaking the ultimate day of the Lord. Christ coming back in judgment. Nations judged. Uh, that's the day of the Lord. We go to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Definitely the last day things. This is where Jerusalem is going to be attacked. Hey, Avel, how we doing? Pretty good, I trust. Hey, you're grabbing some souvenirs there too. All right. I'll pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on Me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for Him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over Him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. In that day there will be great mourning in Jerusalem like the mourning of Hadadrimon in the plain of Megiddo. So you have another day or a period there. You have, obviously, they're going to look upon Him. Who is that? Israel is going to be looking upon Jesus coming back. So that's day of the Lord again, isn't it? Zechariah has a lot to say about the the day of the Lord and the return of Christ. Uh, In Zechariah 13, verse 1, in that day a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and um, impurity. So that means there's worse, there's going to be uh, an absolute cleansing uh, and purity will be coming for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, of the Israelites, the Jews. That's in 13. So we've been in 12, you've been in 13. That's the whole idea. Chapter 14, verse 1. Somebody read that. Read verse 2 there, too. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women made. Half of the city shall go out into exile, and the rest of the city, the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So God is battling Jerusalem's foes, the, the enemies of Christ, right there in Jerusalem. And so the, the context is obviously what it is. If you read a little bit further, it talks about the Mount of Olives. In that day, His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Definitely dealing with the return of Christ. And um, it's definitely dealing with judgment. So the day of the Lord is usually taken in that way. So, so far we've seen in Joel, the sun will be darkened, the moon turns into blood. In Joel three, uh, is you know, is the moon blood? Has the sun gone out? Are the stars gone? All right. And in Zechariah, has Israel been converted? Has their sins been taken away as a nation? Um, have the nations come up and battled in Jerusalem? They'd like to come up against them. That hasn't happened yet, has it? Uh, and so, uh, are there have there been multitudes in this valley of decision? So far, no. 
How about the last book of the Old Testament? Malachi has something to say about the day. These are just a few, few verses that are many, just rampant in the Old Testament. But Malachi 4.5, has this happened? So Paul could have asked this, you know, has this happened? Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. What day is that? The day of the Lord. <laughs> so Paul would be saying, guys, guys, you're really concerned about the day of the Lord? This is the day of the this hasn't happened, right? Obviously. And so that's that's his point as he gets uh, gets us across. And of course he could have used all of these verses, but he didn't. He didn't really choose that. You know. Uh, you know what did he choose? Well, he says the apostasy has to come first. It's the apostasy before the day of the Lord. There is the apostasy. So let's let's get into the apostasy. That's what uh, Paul's saying in in the Thessalonian passage. So we'll go back. We all know this in hindsight, of course. Any kind of uh, student of prophecy at all knows that uh, what we're really waiting on. We're, we're not we're not too concerned about the day of the. Oh, I wonder if this is really what's going on. It's crazy out there. Maybe we're in the tribulation now. Now there are going to be some people that probably think that, or think that can happen when when things go crazy and it still it's not going to be the day of the Lord. But he says the apostasy has to come first before the day of the Lord. There has to be an apostasy. And he's not really even saying anything about the rapture here, is he? Nothing really is said about that. It's it's not necessarily about that time, but he, he's talking about preceding the, the day of the Lord. Uh, we, we know that. And so the apostasy comes first. Uh, apostasy is apostasia. Guess how we get our English word apostasy from this Greek word? It means rebellion. It means revolt. It means defection. It's to abandon something that you have held to as a belief, uh, a position, whether it be politically, whether it would be even economically, or certainly religiously, right? And usually when you think of apostasy, you think of religious defecting, abandoning it. You profess it, and then you turn your back on it and revolt against it. That's an apostasy. And in this sense, in chapter 2 of Thessalonians and what he's dealing with, it's not a general apostasy. There are general apostasies happening all the time. There are all sorts of individuals, groups of people, um, professing things and then turning around and going right up against it. All the time through history that, that has happened. And of course, if you, if you look at Matthew 24, uh, Jesus said those kind of things would be going on for quite some time. 24 verse 10. At that time, many will fall away. That's an idea of an apostasy. Falling away will betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So there is an apostasy, but it's talking about an apostasy through even through the church age. 
that we're in now. So that would be a general apostasy, even though this is definitely in a context of tribulation. It says even up to that time, even during that time, there's going to be this apostasy um, that mankind has always been involved with. Um, and, and of course, it, it comes to this the, the ultimate apostasy, the ultimate revolt against against God. Uh, I think uh, maybe Second Peter chapter two. False prophets also rose among the people, just as there will also be uh, false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. So there is uh, an apostasy there. Uh, that, that has happened throughout church history, but we know in the latter days that that will become even more rampant. That's the whole idea. It's always been around, but it will... Uh, culminate till finally you get into the the event the the very definitive uh, apostasy. And so it's not a general one that he's speaking of here. It's an event. It's a very identifiable apostasy. It's very unique from all the general things, and it's involving who uh, the man of lawlessness, and that's that's what we get in our Thessalonian passage. The Unless the posse comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Of course, we've been speaking about this one. He's a man of sin. He's the key person, this man of lawlessness during this, this time period. Lawlessness is anomia. Nomos or nomia would be dealing with the law. Anomos is no law or lawlessness according to at least the law of God. No regard for God's law. None whatsoever. So This would be the ultimate blasphemy. When, human, uh, when one human being, one man, is like a hundred Judases all rolled up into one. The ultimate apostasy. And this man of lawlessness is revealed identity of him is, is going to be manifest. It cannot be Antiochus. When you think of Antiochus, Epiphanes, Jesus related to him, uh, or, or Daniel had, but actually it was a, a picture of the fulfilled Antichrist. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes came into the temple and slayed a pig on the altar. And that was definitely an abomination of desolation. And, but what's going to happen here is going to be much more than that. Can you imagine somebody though coming in to the temple? What a blasphemy that, that happened. That was uh, before the time of Christ. Antiochus Epiphanes. Some say that this man of lawlessness is somebody like Caligula. But it couldn't be him either. Some say Nero. Some say Pompey. Some say Satan, or the principle of evil is what this is. It's not a principle. It's a man. And it's a man yet to come. So, 
the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to do something different. He's going to do an ultimate act of apostasy. So we go on a little bit further. He's revealed. He's called the Son of Destruction. When you think um, of a son of a particular person, uh, son of a father, let's say, like the Son of God, what do you think of there? Well, the Son of God is representing God. Of course, the Son of God is God, and He represents Him as much as we could ever see. Right? Christ, Son of God. is. If a person belongs to a family, they have that nature. So a son of destruction has the very nature of destruction itself, of how the wickedness and evil is. So it's it just totally associated with destruction. Um, a father will bear values, let's say, and if he has a son, that son is taught the same things. He has the same values that his father has. So in this case, he is the son of destruction. Of course, where does destruction really come from? The enemy, Satan himself, right? He, uh, in his inmost being is uh, perdition. Son of perdition. Uh, destruction. Uh, he belongs to hell. He belongs to perdition. He belongs to torment. He belongs to judgment. Punishment. That's the kind of things that uh, we're thinking of. Is that word uh, name a bad Oh yeah, Abaddon. Taken right out of Pilgrim's Progress, which is taken out of Revelation. Abaddon means destroyer, which would be destruction, which would be the same thing. Apollyon is another word for that, also known as Apollyon. So yeah, and where's that? Where's that coming from? Again, that would be dealing with uh, Satan. And he's inspired by Satan. He's moved by Satan. Uh, who can think of a in, in history? Who can think of a worse person in history until the Antichrist comes? Who do you think of? Well, we think of Hitler, and it kind of in you know in our times or close to it. But what's that? The North Korea guy. Oh, the one. Yeah, presently, right? And those guys are pretty evil. But think of one who is the betrayer, Judas. This man walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, ate with Him, was always around Him for three years. He heard and He saw the ultimate things that anyone would ever want to experience. And, of course, He apostatized, didn't He? That is a picture of apostasy. Um, so, every little duty that he was involved with, he was right there alongside Christ. There is no excuse. Absolute, total revelation. And along came total rejection. That is just amazing how that can happen. But uh, he turned his back on Christ, and of course he did what he did. That's what the Antichrist is going to do. Is and that was an apostasy, I believe, of huge proportions, monstrous proportions. That's a son of destruction. And go back to John 17, just for a moment. Look at the 
Look at Judas. 17 verse 12. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name. This is Jesus praying. And this is the the great prayer that he has for himself and the disciples. Which you have given me, them, the disciples. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition or destruction, so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. This was part of God's plan. Here is a son of perdition, son of destruction. And yet he had been around Christ, and Christ had been so gracious to him. Uh, If we go back to John 13, verse 2, this is at the Passover. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. So the devil put it into his heart. Now he's all responsible, Judas is, for his own actions, yet this is all ordained in God's plan. Rather remarkable, isn't it? Only God could do something like that. But the devil puts it into his heart to do what he does. So Judas simply went to the temple and threw the money down in there. The Antichrist is going to come into the temple and tell everybody that he's God and he's the only one to be worshipped. Now that's rather unique. Most people today like the, like the thought of, hey, Jesus is okay and also all the other religions are great too. Right? This man believes in only one way. Only one worship and that's of him. Of course, that's what Satan always wanted. What I find interesting about this passage is it says in this one it says that the devil did it. You know, the devil of the good. And it seems like in a lot of the Old Testament and even some of the new one, it's like God's Spirit hardened his heart. God's Spirit, God's Spirit did this. But in this one, it's the devil right away and we're talking about the Antichrist and another, basically almost like another Judas. You know, we're waiting for Yeah, that's the picture of it. So imagine Judas. And then Judas never really came out and claimed to be God. So this man who is inspired and instilled by Satan, he's allowed to do... It's interesting. He's still a man thinking on his own. Satan is the one that is putting it into his heart. And we know that God hardens, like in Pharaoh's case and many other people, but He also pulls back. Man hardens himself. So this Antichrist is responsible for his own actions, even though we see Satan working in him as best that he ever could in anybody, ever, in the, in the control that this man is going to have. And God is allowing this to happen. Yeah, and that's the scariest thing of all when God just hands it over to mankind with a sinful heart and there's nothing to restrain man. There's nothing really going to restrain this Antichrist until God says, okay, that's it. 
So he will do what he wants and he will get worship. Um, we know that in, in the John 13, it says Satan entered into him. and In Revelation, it says the Antichrist, the, Satan controls him. Look in Revelation 13.3. Of course, uh, Revelation 13 is a, is a key chapter dealing with this man. There's a lot about him, isn't there? Antichrist. Old and New Testament. Sounds frightening to most people. If you don't really know the truth behind it all, um, a lot of people would really not like to hear about this. But I think it's rather comforting. Yeah, how do they get away with that, right? In um, Revelation 13, it says in verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. I mean, he, he should die. He's left for dead. And there's a miraculous, almost giving life, a, a recovery. The whole earth was amazed. I mean, everybody is, is really drawn at this. I guess so. And followed after the beast, they worshipped the dragon. Who's the dragon? That's Satan. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. So if you worship the beast, who are you worshipping? You're worshipping Satan. The beast is Antichrist. They worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for how long? 42 months. How long is that? Well, 36 months is three years. Six more months is a half year, so it's three and a half years. We saw in Daniel that in the mid part of that seven years is whenever that will happen. So you have... In another section, time, times and a half a time. Here you have the 42 months. Other place, three and a half years. He opened his mouth and blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven, blaspheming God to the utmost there with all the rest of the people worshiping him. So, how bad can this guy get? What is the apostasy he does? Back to Thessalonians. You know, I have a new Bible and I can't do a thing with it. <laughs> really slow. You guys beat me. <laughs> I'm used to all the extra sweat and stuff in there. It's just, they're slick. <laughs> they do. Okay. Got a feeling you're going to take care of that people. Yeah, we got. got to, I, I have no excuse. I got to get through this. Get some cheese <laughs> Verse four: Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship. So what is he doing here? Well, uh, of course, he's, he's getting the, the worship. He's a world power. As we see in Revelation 13, Revelation 17, uh, he coexists with the uh, mother of harlots, uh, the false world religions, if you may. 
Uh, he's been doing fine, but eventually he wants it all. He's going to devour them. So they, we read that in Revelation 17. Then he says that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. This is the temple that has to be built. This is why we know there's going to be a tribulation temple. Because he goes into the temple. What temple would it be? Well, he's the one that makes a covenant with the many or with Israel. And that will allow them to build the temple that they so wanted to do. Can you imagine them trying to build a temple where the Dome of the Rock is? Can you imagine the war that would start? And there's no way you can have both temples up there. There's no way. That would, I mean, that would just be blasphemy to the Jews to have the Muslim mosque or shrines there. And that's what it is today. You can't even get up there. I don't think we could go up there today and see that. And what we'll be seeing on our video after a while, a little glimpse of it, where Zola will be on that temple mount. Where at that, at that time, it's a little tricky to get up there, but uh, he did quite a few videos there till he couldn't anymore. Matter of fact, we'll see him being, he will be up on it and then he will have to leave from there. They will usher him out. We won't see them being ushered out, but they want him to get out of there. Uh, that would be a little scary, wouldn't it? Um, the temple of God, at least as far as the Jews are concerned, is this is not the millennial temple, but uh, this is where he does the abomination of desolation. We said last week, Matthew 24. This goes along with the Daniel 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, the temple. Let the reader understand. Right? You better run, because this is it. <laughs> um, goes into the temple. He just desecrates it in the sense that... Uh, He's now the object to, to, to be worshipped. And he just captured the world. The world just was in, in amazement of him for three and a half years. Then he's revealed for who he really is. It's like he takes his mask off. We've got a maniac here. Um, Daniel 9.27 He'll make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. That's what they've been doing for three and a half years. Yeah, Bart. Um, so you said that this isn't Antiochus. Right? He, yeah, he, he. Of course, he did something like that. That's a picture of what will ultimately. Come to be. Ah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's probably coming from uh, <laughs> um, Sproul's point of view. Um, and of course, I, I think it's very obvious. This is the, at the end of the age. I mean, this is the very second advent. This this whole idea. But some would say, well, this already came about. But see, Jesus takes up on this quote, and that's that's why I'm saying, what, what are they? Don't they see what Jesus says as he's talking about a future tense 
And of course, then what they'll say, oh, what Jesus is talking about is in 70 AD. But there was nobody that went into the temple. They burn it down, but nobody went in there and claimed to be God. Um, so that's why there has to be a, a, an, another temple. And he's talking about a complete destruction. Of course, so he's talking about the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. That's here. The, well, I, I, I'm not so sure what the notes are there. This would be talking about um, when he comes in there, this would be um, in the future. No, I mean the one that, that Antiochus destroyed is the one in 70. No, no, that would have been that was before the time of Christ. Yeah. Historically, there was a this was yeah, during that was the one that Daniel. Was, I mean, Daniel was taught in Daniel nine. Yeah, yeah, he and of course. You know that there was a picture of that, right. and um, you had the rebellion uh, of the Jewish people, and of course they're underneath the pagans' rule and such. So there were many battles and wars of antiquities and such that went on before the time of Christ. But Antiochus Epiphanes ruled over them, and uh, of course he was just wanting to make them mad. He loved to do stuff like that. So that's going in there with slaying a pig of all things. Okay, but he, he can actually proclaim himself to be God and sit in the temple. No, he wouldn't have been like what the Antichrist right, is right, here. Right, He just went in, I mean, just... Of course, he, he would like to be. Right, right. What's that? But he didn't proclaim himself to be God in the this in Daniel nine here. This that would be the tribulation, yeah, the one that is to come, and that's what we'll be going to right here, real quick. Um, so an abomination, it's revulsion, it's uh, to abhor, it's to desolate, it's to lay waste. Abomination. Um, he's going to try to massacre. All the Jews, he's not going to be able to do it, but he's going to try it. Um, he's a false prophet. He's going to force everybody to worship him. And so uh, we see that um, this would be what Paul is saying. We're not in the day of the Lord. All these things have to happen before the day of the Lord. Three and a half years. So now I'm going to turn on Zola here. And uh, we get some visuals of where this may actually be. That's right. Thanks. Those TVs probably went off. Probably this did too. Probably lost my spot. Right. Your lights off too much. I might show him one of these days too. He talks about who's the Antichrist. That sounds fascinating. You guys seen that one? Goes about 20 minutes, so it'll take us right up to about the time we go. Bye.
always was a bumper. <laughs> Yeah, but it should be coming through. ascension to his father, the place of it. And the sanctuary which would be in the kingdom would be much larger than what we have seen here. And uh, the main building and its porch would uh, cover an area like this. I'll uh, uh, diagram a trailer in the studio when we're back home. Now I wish we could, uh, you know, stop the, the rumors that go with prophecies, especially the one about uh, the temple being built right beside the Dome of the Rock for reasons I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, people don't understand who, who never saw or haven't studied it, the magnitude of the Temple of God or its purpose. It covered 34 acres up here. Uh, on a Passover day in the time of Jesus, 300,000 lambs were slain in a single day here, uh, one for each family. Imagine the sheer numbers of people simply walking in and out. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't accommodate uh, another religion and a pagan one at that uh, back to back with God's temple. It reminds me of rumors through the years stones were being sent from uh, uh, Bedford, Indiana, where we have quarries in America to build the temple in Jerusalem, which is perfectly crazy. Israel has ten times as much stone as America. It's all we have here is stone. And then uh, the ashes of the red heifer. That was another one. It still persists. Someone is supposed to have found that. Uh, I won't even go into it, I don't want to give it credence, but I, I understand the story and where it started, and it is only a story. Uh, God doesn't need our help to make the prophecy happen. He'll model through. Uh, we, we, we don't need to uh, find little clues and hints. This is not a game of clue. Uh, this is uh, 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 God at work, and believe me, when the kingdom starts to come, you're going to see it. We also have with us... Uh, uh, the surmisings of the Jewish sages of old from the pseudo-epigraphal and intertestamental Jewish thought. That is, and I've explained this in other programs, uh, Jewish people have always, uh, through the ages, thought that, uh, about Messiah, about King, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that was an event, and it <laughs> to us before, as, as I was reading there on the uh, uh, mound with the dome, uh, suddenly a Muslim authority came out, walked into the shot. Uh, you know, it's something people never do. You see somebody even taking a still photograph, you hesitate, you let them snap their picture, and then you walk through. But this guy walked into our video shot, 
stop the, the camera, the sound, and so on, demanded to know what was in my notebook. Hey, what is this drawing? He says, why is this in red? And so I understand they're trying to teach you temple history and future, uh, and trying not to step on any toes without emphasizing, you know, that uh, you're, the days are numbered if you're done with a rock. I didn't want to say anything like that. What they resent really is uh, scripture. I was teaching the word. And uh, as I said, you know, they don't want weapons on the mount, and this is a sword. <laughs> even the people who copied the word on and, uh for some reason, he got really nervous, interrupted so many arguments, and so we decided to just go ahead and move our shot up to the summit of the Mount of Olives here to a special spot we know that's quiet. And you know, maybe God's will, because if we look at the Mount now, now you can really see the line up the East Gate and the uh, Dome of the Winds. You can see on a line from where we are, and you can see the space that's left for the temple north of the Dome of the Rock. You can see where the Dome is. Uh, only let me caution again that the the temple of God, particularly the millennial temple, uh, will be much, much bigger than the dome. The tribulation temple will be also. And so uh, you need more space even than would it be accommodated there. Uh, the dome of the rock got to move. I can say it plain and clear now. I can say I wouldn't want to own a piece of the rock right now. You know, there's a reason we need one kingdom in that now. Uh, we've got two powers trying to share it now. You saw what happens. Uh, this is why the whole world needs one king. seven years to build and cost three billion dollars. King Herod's temple was a wonder of the world, paved with marble and overlaid with gold. Throughout this special series, I want to tell material that will help you better understand the significance of the temple. On this program, Zola is operating the six telecast programs of the Temple Series on two video cassettes. We'll give you details later on the program on how you may obtain the specially prepared video cassettes for the series. Well, that was an exciting day on Mount Moriah. I'll show you just where we were in a modern picture. This, of course, shows the Dome of the Rock, and here's the whole uh, temple platform. Uh, we were back here at the uh, little couple called the Dome of the Winds or the Dome of the Spirit, filming from there. And, uh, uh, of course, the authorities were kind of attending our, our teaching. Well, you know, we teach Bible, and the Bible says there will be a temple there in the future. There are four verses talking about a temple in the tribulation period, and they're all solid, what you call proof texts, not uh, poetry or imagery or interpretation, but uh, very solid verses that uh, corroborate each other and, and just draw a picture of a future temple. Uh, to begin with, Daniel 9.27, it says that he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. I'm not reading the whole context, but the he in this case is the Antichrist, the people of the uh, the prince of the people that uh, destroyed the temple. He will confirm the covenant for one week, seven years in Daniel's language. This describes the tribulation period. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Uh, he'll make a peace treaty, this is usually uh, uh, explained, with Israel for a seven-year period. But in the midst of the period, 
uh, he will come into the temple and stop the sacrifices. Why do I say there's a temple? It has to be for there to be sacrifices. They're only valid at a proper temple of God on Mount Moriah. If that were the only verse, it would be uh, a little more difficult to interpret, but the Lord too referred to this situation. Matthew 24, 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and he's referring to the verse we just read, stand in the holy place, and the holy place, the word HaKodesh, is of course the temple sanctuary, the outer room where the priests were, and uh, that is where the Antichrist is going to go in and, and blaspheme in the temple. He says, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So the Lord uh, uh, referred to the same thing, the Antichrist entering the temple. Uh, Paul is very clear in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. He says this, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, this is the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He's going to go into the temple and proclaim that he, the Antichrist, is God. I think he will have trouble, as all dictators have in the past, trying to oppress and control the Jewish people, who do not bow down to secular authorities, and uh, will conclude that the only way to subdue them is to go in their temple and tell them he's their God. And this evidently is what he'll do. The other proof text is also clear from Revelation 11, the first verse. Uh, in the tribulation, it says, And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. So, obviously, uh, these are all references to a temple in the tribulation period. The tribulation period is coming up, of course. Prophecy teachers point out we have so many of the signs of the end. But the present situation, as, as you saw, is a difficult one. Since 1967, Israel has virtually controlled the Temple Mount, but you can't control a shrine of another religion. I mean, they can't dream of, of telling the Arabs, okay, you can't come to your dome. Uh, they wouldn't. Uh, in Jewish law, uh, you, just, you, you wouldn't place your hands on the shrine of another religion. Uh, they did capture Jerusalem, they do occupy it, but they can't touch the dome. And uh, since 70 AD, uh, they did not have control of Mount Moriah until 1967. That's quite a stretch, almost 19 centuries. In 70 AD, the second temple was destroyed, then the Romans uh, uh, put up a temple, and then the Muslims put up the dome. That, by the way, was 13 centuries ago. The Dome of the Rock was completed in 691 A.D., and it's still up there, and it's still in use every day, which is another factor. The Israelis can't just say, well, we're going to clear this thing out of here. Wow, that, that would really be World War III. But the prophecy is clear. It must be there operating by the middle of the tribulation period. Uh, the Antichrist is, uh, begins the tribulation period with that seven-year peace plan. Uh, we can see how badly uh, the, Israel wants a peace plan. Now the whole world wants one in Israel, and the stage is, is beautifully set. Uh, it's wanted now. He just has to come forward and uh, propose it. Uh, he is said in the scripture to be the head of a ten-nation confederacy in the area of the old uh, Roman Empire. That's another old teaching, but Daniel 9.27 indicates it. 
of the European common market would, of course, uh, qualify uh, very well to be that confederacy in the area of the old Roman Empire that uh, he will have control of. People ask, is he alive today? Why not? So many other things seem ready. Uh, the system that he'll install, uh, the world is crying out for uh, financial uh, uh, solutions, uh, this buying and selling with 666 and so on, uh, the uh, world domination, the blasphemy, it's all in preparation. And of course, it's just all going to lead to Armageddon. It's not going to solve anybody's problems. The Israelis are always ready to build the Tribulation Temple. Uh, why pray at only a wall when they know in their hearts they can build a whole temple? Uh, they are collecting knowledge. They are training priests at the Yeshiva Atarat HaKonim, a college in Jerusalem where they are reviewing priestly worship and learning these things. And they'll be ready. And as I promised, we have footage of people and artifacts that were made for the third temple. Artists have prepared these things. Uh, we sent a crew in. We managed to film it. I can voice it over for you and explain what these things are. Believe me, this is the first time this has been on television. Uh, sit back and look at artifacts planned to be used in the third temple of God. Now we see rabbis who are supporters of the project of making these artifacts for the third temple. These gentlemen are a little bit uh, difficult to get pictures of and they really didn't pose for us, but our cameras were there. They speak Yiddish, the language they brought from Europe when they immigrated to Israel. They support the yeshiva that is helping to train the priests and so forth. And they were inspecting the site when we were there. This curtain just covers the artifacts. It's not meant to be the temple veil, but it does have the design of the cherubim on it. And behind it, uh, we can see various artifacts. And now we're going to go in for close-ups uh, so you can see these things a little bit better. But these are items prepared by artists for use in the upcoming temple. This is a, this wooden box, uh, this word is kalfi, which means destiny. Uh, this is a, uh, a kind of a ballot box for drawing lots. You recall in Leviticus 16, uh, two goats are brought in and, and the uh, uh, priest draws lots to decide the, the destiny of these goats. And uh, they're going to do this by, uh, by a manner of these discs. You can lift the cover and see what's written in each one. This word is la'adonai, to God. And uh, that, of course, would be the animal that's going to be given to God, the one that's going to be sacrificed. We open the other one, and uh, this word, of course, is different. This is Azazel, uh, literally to hell, and has reference to the scapegoat, the goat that was uh, let go in the wilderness. And so in that box, or at least the, that's the artist's conception of it, the priest will choose among those animals. Now this is a basin uh, with a cover for hand washing. We're going to see very nice carvings in copper, uh, very meticulously done. This is a shovel uh, to be used for serving the altar of incense. It's about three feet long. And up on the right you can see uh, the crown of the high priest. This word is Adonai, uh, to the Lord. And uh, the, the little word to the right, that's really the beginning of the line in Hebrew, is Kodesh, holy, holy unto the Lord, it says on the priest costume, or on his uh, mitre. This is a wash basin with a valve uh, like a faucet, and it's a, a water treasury of, of pure water. And we're going to see glass 
incense containers, uh, 11 different kinds for 11 different tribes. Levi is omitted since they are the priesthood, but uh, the other tribes each have their, uh, their jar and their, uh, their incense. This is another incense container, very beautifully done, very beautiful work. The artisans take a mikvah, a ritual bath, before each work session. This is sacred, holy work, and like copyists of the scriptures, they, they take it that seriously. These are trumpets to be sounded outside the temple, calls to worship and so on. Here's the priest costume, uh, Levite's white costume for uh, doing the sacrifices. It's linen only. There's no wool involved. That would be taking something extra from the sheep or lamb. You can see a little harp too, wooden harp like the kind uh, used in David's time. And now we have an entire model of the building, um, designed really from the second temple, but the third will be very much the same. We're going to go close up on some things. This is the altar of incense. This is the table of showbread with the poles for carrying just as it was designed for the tabernacle. Even though it's going to be carried, they're going to use the poles and the hooks. Uh, that sign says the court of the women. Uh, each uh, item is labeled. I'll just let you look at the uh, temple, the beautiful white Jerusalem stone, which was used in Solomon's and Herod's temple. There's gold trim everywhere, as, as there always was in the past temples. Very, very beautiful. That will be a wonder of the world. Well, obviously, uh, some people are very serious about the third temple, and they're preparing things for it, they're praying about it, and uh, the eyes of the whole world really are, or should be, on that mountain. It... Fascinating, huh? Who would know? When we were watching these back 80s and the 90s, here we are in 2018, we're still here. <laughs> well, if Antichrist was around then, he was just a little baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, he started as a serpent, now he's, now he's a dragon, so uh, <laughs> I guess he's evolved too, as they say. That's right. Well, at, at any rate, that's the kind of things that uh, would, it would really look like if this were to be in our lifetime. You know, I mean, if it were to be in this, in this general area. Or, who knows, it could go on another hundred years oh, or another thousand years. But uh, <laughs> I think with everything being set up, it sure could happen now. Don't you see how things are already put into place? And... When those artifacts were made, that, they were just beginning to do that in the 80s. I'm sure they have everything ready now, I don't think, this many years later. I bet you could get on the internet and see a lot more. I, I bet so, but there's a lot more stuff. So. It seems since the, the church is growing a lot more rapidly in you know, uh, Asian countries, things at, at this point, the, that maybe there's it's it's almost it seems to me picturing uh, there's a wave of growth in the church and then there's the wave of the waning of you know say the European 
church and now the United States, you know, in the West or waning in the East now, they're, the wave is surging. So uh, I guess this apostasy thing would take some kind of a form that would, you know, be very noticeable. But right now we're still seeing the ebb and flow of the Christian church, I guess. It's kind right. of the way I'm a, a general apostasy, but yeah. definitely getting close to that. Yeah. That point and that abomination of desolation is where it really all heads to. That's the yeah. Point of interesting thing. But which generation will this all occur? Yeah. Could it be still yet in our generation? More possible than well, ever. Zola sure was ready for it. Oh yeah. I mean, he is <laughs> so passionate about it. Yeah, I never, never will forget. It's <laughs> on Saturday mornings for a long time, and then he was on Sunday nights, and I, yes. I could not miss the next Didn't episode. No, I had to tape each one, and but um, yeah, he's been past. Uh, a little while now, quite a few years. But, uh, quite a legacy, and I think I know. I know uh, Bob remembers him back in those yeah. days too. I think the ministry's still going on. Uh, maybe his sons involved or some of his family. I know his wife was uh, helping it move on, and of course that's. But it's not not quite the same, yeah. even though they had the, they had the same spirit. Sure. You know. sure. But anyway, uh, thank you guys. Um, we. Um, Moves through Second Thessalonians, spending a little bit of time on that, but it's kind of interesting to know that hey, this down to the details. You know, we we know what's going to happen in the future more than what we're going to know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, <laughs> let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening, and thank you for your word and giving us uh, things that uh, will happen, and giving us um, really uh, comfort in the fact that we know what your plan is and you're allowing some evils to happen but to culminate in what we look forward to in the millennial kingdom and the eternal state and uh, Lord thank you for revealing future time periods to us uh, for we know that everything that you are doing is perfectly right in Jesus name Amen, amen. Dennis, everybody should keep sending Yeah, what would you guys learn today? A lot. You of, went with her. It was pretty good stuff, I thought. But um, they, they're talking, they said that it's all cancer. And Here? It, stomach? It's, it's all cancer. And lungs. Lungs. And it's all the same kind. Not of, in her brain. No, she doesn't. Okay. She doesn't what about cancer. this? That's cancer. It's all the same kind of cancer. That's what one doctor said. And then the other doctor said what they're doing, what they've done is they have a, they have a, uh, um, a place in California. They've taken the uh, sample of the biopsies and they've sent that to California to find out where exactly the cancer started. Because it's all so that they can. Right. 
Well, it'll kill all of the cancers, but they need to know where it's originally It'll identify what type. And then you told me it'll identify what type of cancer it is, and they know where it's and what the treatment will be. Yeah, or because it could be different treatments for different kinds. But they did say they had her scheduled to have a court put in, and that was canceled because her cancer doctor said that she might be able to take pills. Mm. Well, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. So it, some of it was so there's, very there's some pretty good hope some here. Some of it was very frightening. Yeah. And Cindy has the best sense of humor of anybody I know. Yeah. She's been taking this really well. She really She's has. terrified. Yeah, I know she has got to be. She is Humanly. terrified, and so it's she really, really needs prayer. Rita and I are talk, trying to talk her into coming to the house. Oh, that was, that was my thing. It's just because she'd have somebody to take care of her. Right. Because Tony would be in good. Carrie Ann is not good. The stress of everybody around her. Carrie Ann needs a lot of prayer. She is not good. Not good. And... Uh, it causes Cindy a lot of problems, and she doesn't need that. So she needs to come to our house. Yes, and, and she's too far away. She's out she's, there. She's still. She needs to is she right still there. working every day? Yes. <laughs> she said she goes in and she might work a couple hours. And she does what she can do. They've been real, real good with her. Hey, thank you guys for going with her today. Uh, I'm sure that helped her a lot. You know, you guys are paying attention to what they're saying. You know, sometimes one person hears one thing, but you don't hear it all. Of course, you remember, you know, you're yeah. Brand, you know, you're yeah, too much better. information. So just pray. I
Well, I can see it. I can see it. Let's put tile on the ground. I think that'd be really, really good. I do. I'd like to do that. 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 I'd and there's she, a lot of them out really there like that. Will you not know from the discussion that we've done in the last countertop place? And we get the minor plate and everything, all the countertops. I don't know if you want that. By all means, well, um, what about I, the I, I want to do that. Because it's probably going to so, come on that too. Anyway, it's like ordered so that we can get an estimate. This is the thing that's something I like. Fantastic. I don't want to do that. Well, I'll talk to her and then I'll talk to Yep. Maybe this Monday or I don't know how soon. You know what I want it, but I didn't do what I want. It's as soon as it works for you guys. All right. Whatever. I don't know if that's going to work or not. That's another place you can do it. Hey, you, yeah. you, know, you got to ride so home. Yeah, I got to get the car. Okay. I thought we did, but I want to do it. I don't know I just wish I could be helpful. Uh, this, 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 and here, well, I'll take that one. 